How many of you stayed up and watched the Ohio State game last night? Um, I just want to let you know I'm praying for you this week. Um, you're in my prayers. Pray for me as Michigan lost. That was kind of tough. Um, but it was a lot better that Ohio State also lost. So, um, But know that you're in my prayers this week. I am praying for you. Well, good morning. It is so good to have all of you here on this New Year Day. Um, for those of you, again, that don't know me, I'm Pastor Sobi. I'm the associate pastor here. Like Josiah said, Pastor Joe's on a nice, long vacation, which is good. Um, so him and Jolie and the kids are enjoying their time in Florida. And so we miss them. If you guys are watching, we love you. We miss you. Um, and so, yeah, thank you for joining us. For those of you online, thank you as well for joining us online. And this past month, we've been going through this series called A Weary World Rejoices examining the Christmas story and how it impacts us as people. And, you know, I love Christmas. I would say that Christmas is probably my favorite holiday out of all of them. You know, it's, it really, you, like the song say, it's the most exciting time of the year. I, w- I would really agree with that. And it's funny because a study was done in the New York Times in 2012, and it said that even though not everyone celebrates Christmas, it is by far the happiest day of the year in American society. It doesn't matter how bad life may be, or even if you celebrate Christmas or not, but this season of time around December, around Christmas, is the happiest time of year. And I agree, like I, you know, I went to stores this past month looking for gifts for people, and everyone was smiling, everyone was ready to buy a gift and talking in line about, hey, what are you doing for Christmas? And what traditions do you have? And blah, blah, blah. You know, it's such an awesome time. We sing songs, we, you know, decorate, we wrap presents, there's tradition, there's family together. So yeah, people for the most part during Christmas are just excited. It's a good time. And even more so for us as Christians, it's so good, right? It's a reminder of hope that God, being God, came to earth to be with us to be with people like you and me. And what do I mean by that? I mean, he literally came as a human to be like us, lived amongst us, lived the human struggle, the day-to-day, same as us. He didn't stay away, but he had relationship with people, right? And he came to give us eternal life. And so I know for me, like, Christmas is, I mean, I'm just jittery, I don't know if that's the best word, but I'm just ready to go. I'm always happy and always, it's an exciting time. But then it ends. (laughs) And then you're kind of left maybe burnt out or maybe you still have this energy that you want to use, but Christmas is over. And you're like, what do I do with myself? Right? You know, a weary world rejoices and then we're back to the grind. We're back to going back to work, back to reality, the same old, same old. And it's like, you know, something so magical in a second drops. And I know for me, sometimes I feel like Christmas is this high of excitement and then I crash very quickly. And maybe you're like me and you're like, I don't want that to happen. I don't want to crash. Like whatever exciting feeling that I had during Christmas, I want that to continue, right? But the question is, now what? What do we do after Christmas, after all this goodness has happened? Now what? 
You know, as a kid, um, my parents, they gave me a pet fish at the age of four. And it was a goldfish. And they were like, hey, Sobe, if you can take care of this fish, if you can feed it, nurture it, you know, love it, we'll think about getting you a dog. And a dog was really what I wanted. I didn't want a fish. You know, fishes are lame. I want a dog. I want a dog to play with. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to take care of this fish as best as I can. And I was so excited. I got a fish tank. I got the fish food. I was ready to really take care of this fish so I could get this dog. But then I was like, well, now that I have all this stuff and now that I'm excited, I don't know really what to do. Like, how often do I feed this fish? Or I didn't know that you had to change their water so often, right? I, I didn't know any of that. And in all of that excitement, all of that, like, you know, my mind was just going haywire, I forgot to feed the fish. <laughs> and it died, I think, in like three days. And so I ended up not getting a dog either. So, you know, <laughs> you know, it was really a double whammy. I really didn't get anything I wanted. Um, but, you know, it, like the excitement that I had turned into, okay, now what do I do? And I didn't know what to do. And maybe a lot of you are like me during this, you know, it's New Year's. And usually during New Year's, we have resolutions and we, we want to change ourselves, Right. We have new objectives, an idea of a new me, maybe. And then the question comes, okay, now what? Now that I have this idea, now that I'm excited about this new year, what do I do? And then it's January 5th, and you haven't kept a single resolution, right? You know, we've been given something good by God, whether it's Christmas or just the gift of his son and and the gift of salvation that we have. Maybe we're thinking of this new year as something good, right? A fresh start, new hope. But we're at this divide where we're like, man, now what? What do I do? And so as we dive in today, I think what the Lord has for us is that no matter what good we had, the now what means that there's something better. Whatever happened in 2022, whatever happened during Christmas, whatever joy and excitement you felt is not even close to what God has for you in the future, today even. You know, I love this reminder from Isaiah 43. And to give you guys some context, Isaiah, God is speaking to Isaiah, and currently Israel, the nation, is in captivity to Babylon. And so the Lord is reminding Isaiah that his deliverance is coming And he says this in Isaiah 43, verses 14 through 19. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships they are so proud of. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses, and I drew them beneath the waves, and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. But forget all of that. And I'm going to pause here because I remember reading this this week. I was like, this is a very bold statement for God to be making. Like, I know he's God, but to understand this context, the... The miracle that he's talking about with Egypt 
is the parting of the Red Sea. And now if you know anything about Israel history, the parting of the Red Sea to this point was probably the biggest miracle any of the Israelites had ever experienced. This was a miracle that they passed down generation to generation about how God delivered our people. And from the parting of the Red Sea, like without the parting of the Red Sea, you don't have the Ten Commandments. You don't have them having manna or quail given to them by the heavens. You don't have them marching around Jericho. You don't have a lot of their history without the parting of the Red Sea. And all of them know how important the Red Sea is to them as a people. So for God to say, but forget all that, forget the biggest thing that I've probably ever done in your nation's history, is bold. It's like, man, that's all we are, is what you did at the Red Sea. And you're telling us to forget that? But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. So not only does he tell them to forget what he's done in the past, but he tells them that they have an even better thing in store in front of them. For, for I am not about to do something, for I am about to do something new. See how I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. You know, the realization that they probably had and that we need to have is that God has done so much good. And that's not to neglect the goodness of God and what he's done for us in the past. But the good times at some point run out. And the question becomes, what's next? What do I now do? And the reality is, is that we get to live in the goodness of the past until God brings something better. And honestly, riding on the coattails of the past, riding on the coattails of what God did, and just waiting for something new to happen is just spiritual negligence. Our response to now what is not just to wait, but to prepare. Expecting, like Kelly said today, that God, in his greatness, has done so much good, but is ready to do even better and even more now. And that's why I love the scripture that we're going to read today in John 3. John 3 is a combination of two stories. The story of Nicodemus and his conversation with Jesus. And then John the Baptist and his conversation with Israelites. And both men had to answer the question of now what? And their answer to that question revolved around preparation. Nicodemus, his answer was that we need to prepare our hearts. And John the Baptist was to prepare the way. And so God, I just pray as we read your word, Lord, that you would allow your word to speak to us, to encourage us. Lord God, that you are not just a God of the past. Lord God, you have done so much good, and we recognize that, we realize that. But man, you have so much more in store for us. And so God, as we read your word, captivate our hearts and minds. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to start with the story of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a scholar of the Torah. He was a Pharisee or a religious leader. And Nicodemus basically, as, as a leader of the Israelites religiously, Jesus is doing all these miracles. And a lot of his other um, companions, his co-workers, 
didn't want to concede that Jesus was the Messiah. Although they saw Jesus do miraculous works and all that, they didn't want to concede the fact that, hey, this is, he's the guy that we've been praying for. Except for Nicodemus. Nicodemus realizes like, hey, Jesus is the Messiah. I see his miraculous works. I know his teachings to be from God. I know that he's the Messiah. So good has happened through Jesus. He can recognize that. He knows that. But his question now for Jesus is, okay, now what? You're here. What, what are you here to do? The Israelites are still captive. Nothing substantial has really changed in their situation. They're still in, captive, in captivity to Rome, really. Does the good that Jesus has done, does it stop there? Or what is in store for the future? And so we're going to pick it up in John 3, verse 3. After Nicodemus kind of asks all these questions, Jesus replies and says this, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. And so in, as an answer to Nicodemus' question of, okay, Jesus, you're the Messiah, you're here, now what? Jesus outlines the kingdom. That's what's next. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. The miraculous works that Jesus was doing, the teaching that he even gave was not the end. What he had in store was eternal life for every single person. That was the bigger picture, communion with the Father. But what is required of Nicodemus to receive that is that he must be born again, right? And so how does Nicodemus become born again? Jesus goes on in verse 13. No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the snake on a pole in the wilderness... So the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. So what do we learn from this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus? In order to receive the next good thing, to not just live in the past of what God has done, right? We need to have a prepared heart. In order for Nicodemus or anyone to receive what was next, eternal life, they need to have a heart that was prepared to receive it. They needed to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And that's why Jesus even having this conversation with Nicodemus it's because he did believe. He said, God, I recognize from your miraculous works, from your teaching, that you are the Messiah. What's next? What next do I have to do? And the answer is there. All you have to do is believe. Believe I'm the Messiah. Believe I'm the Son of God. Believe that I was sent from heaven as a sacrifice for your sin. And believe that God loves you. Sent his one and only Son to die for you. So in order to receive what is needed, we have to prepare. 
You know, I, I've been given this analogy um, growing up in church. Who, who in here loves coffee? A lot of people. I'm not really a coffee guy. I'm more of a tea guy, but it's a good analogy, so I'll use it. God's, you know, I, think of God's love as a pot of coffee, ready to be poured out for you, ready to give you the energy that you need, what you're really craving in the morning, right? But if you are ready, if you don't have a mug or a thermos or a cup, right, what happens is that coffee's just spilled on the floor, and you can't get it anymore because it's gone. How can you be given something that you were not prepared to receive? So in order to receive that coffee, I need a cup ready, right? I need that thermos ready to go. In order to receive the next good thing that God has for us, we need to have a prepared heart. Hebrews 11.6 says, Any, and, it is possible, and it is impossible to, be, to please God without faith. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So preparing our hearts is believing that God has abundantly more good to offer me. It didn't end yesterday. It didn't end in 2022, whatever you want, whatever you want to put there. God's goodness is never ceasing, never ending. And it's coming even more abundantly. It's going to be better than what it was yesterday or the year before or 10 years before. And so to have a prepared heart is to believe that, that, man, God has good things in store. I just love that. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am doing now. So what does that mean for us, right? If you're in here and you're not a Christian, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. You're in the right place. Believing that Jesus came for you, came to bring you eternal life, is what's next. It's what God has in store for you. For us, that are, for us that are Christians, it's not dwelling on the past because it's past due. The past is past due. That's not to neglect the good that God has done, but it's to recognize that, man, if I only think of the past, if I only cling to what has happened, I can never step forward into what is to come. And so if you earnestly seek God, in the way that Hebrews eleven six says, then why wouldn't he have something new for you? God is ready to bless you and shower you with new and prosperous things, new things that are good for you. And so preparing our hearts is believing that, yeah, the best is yet to come. So first, we need to prepare our hearts. And second, we need to then prepare the way. And this is in the later half of John 3. Now we're going to look at the story of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is Jesus' first cousin, and he's an evangelist. What he does is he tells people that the Messiah is coming. And at the same time, he's also baptizing people. He's doing the work of God. But a debate break, breaks out between John's disciples and other Jewish people. Now that Jesus is here, he's on the scene, he's also baptizing people. And 
Jesus is garnering more followers than John. And so there's this debate about John. It seems like this Jesus guy is taking your job, man. Like, he's doing your work. What are you going to do now? It, it almost made John, well, the disciples made it, in their minds, it made it seem like John's job was now obsolete. Like, hey, Jesus is on the scene. There's really no need for you, man. Like, what are you going to do? What's next? Now what? And John replies this in John 3, verses 27 through 30. No one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride. And the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. So John's response to now what? Okay, Jesus here, he's the Messiah, everyone's following him. My job's obsolete, I I don't really know what to do anymore. His response is, hey, go ahead, follow. I am preparing the way for you guys to follow him. That's what I'm here for. The one thing that John understood is that in order for the next thing to happen, he had to prepare the way for it to come. The next thing that happened was Jesus to be here, to die on the cross. And John didn't understand that in its totality. He didn't know the intricacies of all that. But he knew that the next thing was Jesus. That was what was next. And in his heart, all he had to do was prepare the way for that to happen. So what does John do to prepare the way? What he does is he makes Jesus the priority. He must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. John elevates Jesus in his life. Even when it means that he loses his status, he loses his followers, even his purpose. You see, the best way for us to prepare the way for God to bring the next thing that he wants to bring in us and through us is to elevate him. Because when we elevate God, we humble ourselves. We realize that all we have is from him. There's nothing that I have gained in my life that has not come from God. And the next thing, whatever he has next for me, is not gonna come from myself. It's gonna be because of his mercy and his grace and just his power and his love for me. And so preparing the way for God to do the next thing in my life is saying, God, I recognize that all I have is from you. All I need is you. That's all I need. No one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. And so preparing the way is saying, in my humility, I yearn for more of God. I recognize that all I have is from him and I re-prepare my heart I get out that coffee mug, that thermos again, to receive. And so if you're here today and you're wondering, man, 2022 or just the past was good, but I'm struggling to to understand what's next. What does God have for me next? Does his goodness stop? 
The answer today is that it doesn't. But in order for us to receive, in order for us to know, we have to prepare. We have to get ready. Get ready for him to do the next thing that he's going to do. And so how do we do that? Number one, we simply give him glory for all he's given us so far. We say, God, I recognize that all that I have, all that I will ever have will be from you. Nothing that I have ever gained in this life has been on my own accord. Number two, we posture our hearts in humility, reminding ourselves that, again, that nothing good has come from us, but that it's by God's grace. And three, we walk in obedience. We play our part. John didn't stop baptizing people and didn't stop pointing people to the Messiah just because Jesus came. He continued to do what he was called to do. He walked in obedience, continued to prepare the way for others so that people would know about Jesus, so that they would know that, hey, this is the guy that's going to sacrifice himself at some point. This is the person that came to give us life and life more abundantly. And so as we close today, this morning, I want to remind each and every one of you, the goodness of God has not run out on you. It is not, not even close. Whatever good has happened, I'm telling you that better is coming. Not just because I've seen it in my own life, but that's the word of God that we've read today. That abundantly more is in store for you. But in order to receive that, in order to actually grasp the goodness of God in our hands the way that we should, we have to prepare. And it starts by preparing our hearts, saying that, man, I need more of God's goodness. What he did in the past was good, but it's not enough. I need more. So Lord, prepare my heart. Get me ready to receive whatever it is you have. And then we have to prepare the way for that thing to happen. We gotta say, hey, God, I recognize that you are coming. Show me what, is, what it is that I need to do to prepare myself for the next thing. What do I need to change in my life? What do I need to make more of a priority? I want to prepare the way for the thing that you're bringing to actually come. And so I want to challenge you guys today. Are you holding on to the past? Are you holding on to something that has been good, but is preventing you and honestly <laughs> holding on and not letting go of the past prevents you from seeing the future? and what even more good God has. Is your heart prepared to receive the new thing that he has in store? And so I challenge you to evaluate your heart. Evaluate where you're at. For those of you that maybe aren't Christians here, maybe that question is, man, do I know that God has good things for me? Do I recognize that even even me, where I'm at, that God so loved me that he came and that he has good things in store. 
And for those of us that maybe we understand that, we know that, the question now becomes, do I know that even better is coming? Preparation is key to a new endeavor. And so as much as you're going to prepare physically in your life or mentally, we need to do that spiritually as well. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And so we have to prepare our hearts and prepare the way. Because a weary world can rejoice and it can continue to rejoice because new things are coming. Better things are coming. Go ahead and bow your heads. Man, I was really challenged this week, even writing this sermon this week, that there are times where I forget that the goodness of God is never ceasing. It's never ending. And going through this, I remember the times where I wasn't following God and how even good things would happen to me. And now I have an understanding that, man, every good and perfect thing comes from him. And now that I am a Christian, now that I am aware of that, my heart is so yearning for more of God. That now that I know the source, man, why not get more? And so with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, maybe you're here this morning and you're like, Pastor Sobe, I do not follow God. I've never had a real relationship with God. I didn't even know that God loved me, let it alone, had life for me, had good things for me. That's why I'm so glad you're here this morning. Because that's the truth. We've read that today. And part of receiving that goodness is preparing your heart like we talked about. And saying, man, I need God. I need all that he has for me. And so if you're here and you recognize, man, I want whatever good thing God has for me. All I'm going to ask you to do is where you're at, that you'd raise your hand with all heads bowed, all eyes closed. I just simply want to pray with you this morning that that gift of eternal life, that the goodness that God has in store for you, that you would be able to receive that where you're at. So if that's you, go ahead and slip your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, we're so thankful that in this season of Christmas, in this season of a new year, we're reminded that we got the best gift ever, your son coming to earth. God, thank you that you loved us so much that you came. You didn't just stay in heaven, but you met us here. And so, God, we're thankful that we are loved by you. And God, for those that have raised their hand in the audience today, Lord, that have said, hey, I recognize the love that God has for me, and I want to receive that today. God, I pray that you would fill their hearts with your love. Lord God, that they would know you in a real way. That they would know that in abundance you have good things for them. 
that it doesn't end today. It, hadn't, it didn't end yesterday. You have even more in store. So God, we thank you that they've made a decision. They've said, hey, I recognize that God is God, that Jesus came, died on the cross for my sins, that he was the Messiah. He rose again, and now I have life and relationship with our Father. God, I thank you that you've done a new work in them. And I pray that it would continue. And God, I just thank you for this reminder today in John 3, Lord, that good things are all that you're about. You only desire to do good. And so, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be prepared to receive whatever it is in this new year, whatever it is in this new season of life, Lord God, that we would be ready to prepare, be prepared and ready to receive the goodness that you have for us. May we not cling to the past, Lord God, not the good old days, Lord God, not just what you've done before, but that we would look forward to all that you have in store and all that's even better than what we've already received. We believe that you're good enough, that you are God, that you are strong and in and, and all your might and wisdom can give us new and better things in our lives. And so God, prepare our hearts. Help us to prepare the way to receive all that you have for us. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.